0: Welcome to the Bluff First Podcast. We pray that this message would encourage and enrich your life. For more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com. My name is TJ. I'm the pastor here, lead pastor here. And I just honor that you would be here with us. A lot of people have spent a lot of time, prayed a lot of prayers, made a lot of preparations for you, expecting you to be here today. And so I hope that you feel that. I hope that you feel welcome. Last week, if you weren't here, was Vision Sunday for us. We kicked off a new theme, a new series called Deeper Waters, which fits perfectly with a baptism today. Um, But we're going to spend the next several weeks going deeper into our core values. And so here at Bluff First, we have three things that we're hoping for, praying for. Every person that that walks through our doors, we want you to be able to know God. That's the most important relationship you can have. We want you to be able to share life with other believers and want you to be able to step up and use what God has given you to do, what he has called you to do, and make an impact in your world. And so we're going to spend a couple of weeks here going deeper into knowing God. And um, I'll just be honest, I know the series is called Deeper Waters, but we're going to take our time. It's not going to be a cannonball into the deep end. We're going to wade out into these deeper waters, okay? So today, we're going to start at square one. I think it's very fitting for a Baptism Sunday. We're going to talk about knowing God. Um, We're going to talk about salvation, and we're going to talk about baptism. If that's okay, we're just going to keep it simple and talk about the simple gospel today. Is that okay? Is that, is that okay? All right. You guys are starting to sound like you didn't sleep last night. I have a three-month-old. I didn't sleep last night. My wife didn't sleep last night, so you've got to be awake for me. Uh, but anyway, if you're taking notes today, I want you to leave knowing um, at the core of your being, believing with all that you can this one thing. I want you to know this. I am can know God deeper. Wherever you're at, I can know God deeper. Maybe you're like brand new to this thing, don't even know what you believe. You can know God and you can know Him in a deep and meaningful way. Or maybe you're here and you've been following Jesus for 50 years. I have news for you. You haven't seen all there is to see. You haven't reached the mountaintop and now you're on your way back down. There is more to know about God. You can know God in a deeper, better way more profound way. And we're going to look in the coming weeks at next week, we're going to look at knowing God through his word and through prayer and, and through relationship with him in that way. And and eventually this year, we're going to do a series on deeper worship and different things, deeper relationships. We're going to get into all kinds of stuff. But today, I want you to just leave knowing this one thing. You can know God deeper. And listen, um, you're not going to earn your way to that, and, and, and you're not going to—Jesus um, is, is not after your, your church attendance, and your giving, and your serving, and that's, then then he's, then he's content. No, he's after you. Like you, the real you. Jesus wants a relationship with you. In fact, I would say um, the scriptures make it pretty obvious, pretty clear that you can do all that stuff. You can give money to a church, and you can serve, and you can be on the dream team. You can volunteer. You could be in a small group. You could be here every Sunday. You can raise the hand, or you know, some of us are a little more conservative. We kind of open a palm, right, and uh, just you know, just keep it keep it here. Some of, that's why some of you are like I, got, I keep a cup of coffee. I hold my Bible. I keep stuff in my hands so I, so I don't have to do anything with them, right? Um, but God is not after just that stuff. He's after you. You can do all that stuff and not know him. And Jesus makes that plain as day in Matthew chapter 7. He talks about a group of people that do a lot of religious stuff. And Jesus says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, the one who serves me, the one who follows me. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name and share the verse of the day on Facebook and wear a Bluffers t-shirt and we went to the growth track and we did everything, we did all this stuff. And Jesus says, and I will declare to them, not that I didn't see you, not that I didn't appreciate all your sacrifices, I never, what's it say, knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me. See, this is about a relationship with God. You can know God in a deeper way. It's not about your performance. Man, it took me a long time to figure that out. I totally, and if I'm honest, sometimes I still default to this. I totally buy the lie sometimes that God's love for me and God's relationship with me is based on primarily how well I'm behaving and obeying him. And when I'm doing really well and I've stayed away from some of my bad habits, God's really pleased with me. But when I'm messing up and I'm running back to that same old stuff, God must be really disappointed and distant. And I just want you to know that's not how it is. Jesus is not just after your performance. That will follow. If you have a deep relationship with Jesus, obedience is going to follow. Works are going to follow. James says, faith without works is dead, okay? So if you have faith and it doesn't result in any change in your life, You might not have faith, but we're not talking about perfection. We're not talking about earning God's love. He's already loved us. He's already displayed that love and made that love known to us. He's already set the table and sent the invitation. And some of us are here this morning, and we've been in church, and we've been around religion, and we've not found God, and we don't know God. And and I just think there might be a couple people here this morning that you're like, man, I I've done this stuff, but I'm worried, Pastor TJ, that Jesus might say, I didn't know you. And, and, and I wanna know him, but I don't know where to start. Today's your day, okay? Jesus uses this word, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I like, you know, I have the internet too, and I like to look and see what words are, the Greek and the Hebrew and different things to see what they mean, and if they mean what I think what they mean, and Jesus uses a word, here when he says, depart from me, I never knew you. It's a Greek word I can't pronounce. We'll, pre- we'll pretend the, prenu- the correct pronunciation. I can't even pronounce pronunciation. That's a struggle. We'll pretend the correct way to say it is gonosco. okay? Everybody say gonosco? You spoke Greek today, congratulations. You stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. You're doing good. Um, the word Jesus uses, gonosco, is an intimate word It is not just a intellectual knowledge or a awareness of the mind. It is a personal, firsthand experience. Okay? So let me put it this way. It's the difference between somebody asking me, hey, do you know the Beatles? We all know the Beatles, right? It's a couple teenagers like, who? But uh, we all know the Beatles, right? And yet none of us know the Beatles. Or if you ask me, hey, do you know my best friend? Well, yeah, I have a whole different kind of knowledge of my best friend than I do of the Beatles. In fact, the, the, you know that Jesus uses a word, it's in the New Testament, it's Greek, the Old Testament, mostly written in Hebrew. The Hebrew term that is the equivalent is the word that's used when Adam knew Eve, and Adam knew Eve, and then they had babies, okay? So it's a very intimate, it's a very intimate word, and some of y'all are like, I don't know if I'm up for that kind of religion, I don't know if I wanna know God in that, that intimate of a way, but, but here's the thing, God wants to know you in a deep, personal way. Why is that important? Why does that matter? Can't he just kind of do his thing and, and I'll do mine? Here's the truth. God is the only one that can know you at the deepest levels. God is the only one that can know you at the deepest levels. My wife knows me pretty well. You know, we finish each other's sentences we, you know all the time. I have to speak Brooke, you know what I mean? Some of y'all speak wife or speak husband you know what they're thinking, you know where they're going. But listen, even sometimes she is not aware of the inmost motives of my heart. She doesn't do, know when I do a nice thing for the wrong reason. She, she doesn't know all of my thoughts. God does. He knows the deepest waters of your soul. And so if he does... And if he is the one that made you and the one that put you on the planet and the one that knows the purpose for why you're on the planet and the one that knows how many days you have left on the planet, then perhaps he's a God worth getting to know. And I'll tell you this from experience because I've tried going elsewhere. I've tried looking elsewhere. You can find temporary satisfaction, temporary happiness. You can find a good time. You can find some good friends. You can make some good memories. But you cannot find true, lasting fulfillment, unconditional joy that is not circumstantial. You cannot find those things anywhere else but in a relationship with your maker. It doesn't last, it doesn't satisfy. And so you can get all the other stuff right and do all the churchy stuff and miss knowing God and miss out on everything. That's the key to everything else. So you're like, deeper waters, we're talking about basic salvation. Yes, yes. Knowing God is the deepest thing you could do. Knowing God deeper is the best step you could take. And you know, I said it's a step, it is a step, because hey, thank God, coming to Christ is not a 12-step program. Okay? Some of us think, well, in order to come to Jesus, you got to clean up your act. You got to go buy some church clothes. You got to kick a few habits. You got to find a church where not too many people know you well enough to know that you're messed up. And then you got to come and you got to kneel and you got to pray a prayer and you got to prove it for six weeks and show that you really mean it. And then you got to. We make it all this stuff. Listen, you don't have to clean up your act. In fact, you can't. You don't have to kick any habits. You can come to Christ. And you can be saved and forgiven of your sin in a moment, in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye. Okay, so it's a step. One step you can know God, but it's not just a step. It's not just momentary. How many of y'all in the room this morning are married? How many of you ladies were disappointed to find out that after the beautiful wedding ceremony, after the awesome moment of marriage, come to find out he didn't leave and he moved in with all his stuff? All right? And he doesn't put things in the same drawers that you put them in, and he doesn't think that the groceries should go there, and he doesn't care where the socks are, and (laughs) now it's a journey, right? Now it's an ongoing relationship. The ceremony was awesome. It's just the beginning. Well, listen, you can know God in a moment, but it's going to start an ongoing relationship and journey of getting to know each other better and longer and further. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, um... Pastor TJ, or whatever your name is, I I don't know God personally. I, I've been in church, I just don't feel it, it's not there. Maybe you don't feel close to God, maybe you never have. Maybe you say, I'm not very religious, I don't really know about all this anyway. Maybe you've had a bad church experience, you've been burned by a church, you've been burnt out at church. You just were too involved and you got burnt out. This morning, you're still here. You're here. And so there's hope for you. You haven't quit yet. You're still here. So there's hope for you. I still think your best days are ahead of you. You can know God in a meaningful way, no matter what you're going through. Because listen, you're going to go through what you're going through. This last year and a half, we've all been kind of going through, haven't we? But you can go through it in your own strength. You can go through it by yourself. You can go through it in your own wisdom. Or you can go through it with the maker of the heavens and the earth and you and every fiber of your being in your corner, in your ear, on your side, guiding and leading your life. I'd rather go through it with God. And I've tried both. And there's some laughs and some memories and some fun doing things without God. But it was empty. It was meaningless. It was temporary. You can know God. And maybe it's for the very first time or maybe you're, just, you're here this morning and you're like, man, I, I know. Like, I'm, I'm saved, Pastor, but I'm just... Exhausted. I just need something. You know, I just I come to church just hoping for something. I come in, it's it's like you know, when you look down and you're like, I didn't even realize the fuel light was on. How long has that been on? And you're just praying you make it to the gas station, you know? And some of you come to church like that every Sunday. You're like, I didn't even realize how empty I was. I'm just hoping I get something. I'm hoping that the lights on. I'm hoping that this place still has gas. I, I need something. This morning, um, I'm here to give you a nudge, not towards just getting in a small group, although we'll talk about that eventually, not just towards being baptized and being obedient to Jesus, not just towards serving and using your gifts for God or giving or whatever. I'm here to give you a nudge towards your most important relationship. You've got to know God deeper than you do right now. You've got to know God deeper than you do right now. Your life can't afford for you to stay where you're at in your relationship with God. Your family cannot afford for you to stay where you're at. This church cannot afford for me to stay where I'm at. We've gotta know God in a deeper way. As a kid, we had some uh, four-wheelers. Some of y'all call them ATVs. I'm from Carter County, call them four-wheelers, three-wheelers, and you know, some of those, as a kid, some of those you put a key in and you start it and it goes. That's the exception and not the rule. Most of the four-wheelers we had needed a little nudge Need a little help, you know? We had some that were push start. If you don't know about a push start, you, you need a homie to do a push start, okay? And the stronger one pushes. And so you get it going, and then, you you know, you, you get it started. Some of them were uh, pull start, crank start. Some of them were kick start, okay? Now listen, I would much rather push start. I'd much rather give you a push start than a kick, okay? But whatever the case this morning, I want to just give you a nudge towards having a living relationship with a living God who sends his living spirit to dwell inside every living believer, that you might have a living, vibrant relationship with him that actually makes a difference in your life, in your workplace, in your school, in your home. That, like, the town would actually notice something's going on in you and at Bluff First. Maybe, just maybe, if we could have a relationship with this God, it would make a difference. And, you know, some of you would say, man, I don't know. I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of doubts. I got a lot of struggles. And that's okay. I think there's one thing, though, that we need to address that you have to believe to grow. You want to go deeper, there's one thing you got to believe. There's a lot of stuff that we can sort out later. There's one thing you have to believe. And I've got some friends that are on a journey in their faith and their identity and their beliefs about a lot of different stuff. But when push comes to shove and we talk about it, I think really what the core issue for them, and I tell them, I was like, I think this is your main problem. And and usually there's tears that follow this statement. I tell them, I don't think you really believe God loves you. I think all this other stuff is a result of that. And so, so hear me this morning, to know God deeper, we have to accept that God loves us. To know God deeper, I have to accept that God loves me. That seems so elementary, doesn't it? It seems so like basic but we make this church thing and this life thing about so much other stuff. There is a creator that is all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, knows everything about you, every thought, all your dirty laundry. He knows all of it. He knows what's been open on the private side of your Safari browser. He knows everything. And somehow, he unconditionally loves you. Sacrificially loves you, unwaveringly loves you. If you believed that, it would change everything about your life. It would change everything. Uh, We read John 3:16, and I think it gets, it's, you know, it's like become an official Bible verse for football or something. Like, I don't know. It's cliche almost, but it's not cliche. It's the gospel of John. And it says, for God So loved the world that he gave his only son that, who does it say? Good people? No. Whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And then six, seven chapters later, John says, quotes Jesus, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus came that they may have life. And have it abundantly, full, overflowing, not just a ticket to heaven, and that's awesome, but life right now, a different life right now. That's God's, God's plan for us, and yet we can be in church every week and be walking corpses. We can come in here. Dead and lonely and afraid and angry. How is it that so many of us have heard the gospel and yet we're not living this abundant life? Well, there's a problem with us. We're human. And head knowledge of something does not necessarily translate into heart knowledge or action, does it? There's all kinds of stuff that you learn and it goes in one ear and out the other. And then when you actually have to do it or make the decision, the knowledge is forgotten, it's ignored, and then you go, oh, I should have done this. Well, we know God loves us, we hear that, but, but when it comes down to it, we care more about what this person thinks about us, and how we looked in this situation, and how many likes we got on that post, and, and, and how this person perceives us to be at work, and, and we care way more about everybody else's love than about God's love for us, because we have this nature, this thin nature, Raise your hand if you have a sin nature, okay? The rest of you just lied and proved you have a sin nature, and you just rebelled against me asking you to raise your hand. You sinner, okay? We all have a sin nature, and it prefers everything, anything other than God and His truth, and it mostly prefers self. Am I the only person in the room that loves me some me? Just be real, right? And you're like, not me, pastor. I hate myself. I get up, and I look in the mirror, and I hate myself. Listen, guess who you're still talking about? You. We're all about ourselves, right? We're all about ourselves. Even our good deeds are laced with selfish intentions. We are skeptical of everything God does and says, especially two things. His rule, he ain't telling me what to do, and his love. Those are the two hardest things for us to wrap our mind around. That God might be right and we're wrong or that God might love us You see, most of us find it hard to believe one or the other. Either we think we're pretty good people and thus we don't really need a Savior. We're not that big of sinners. Everybody's worse than us. We're not as bad as so and so. We're pretty good people. So we'll go go to heaven on that merit and God will be generally pleased with us because, you know, we helped an old lady cross the street or whatever. We're fairly good and so we don't need a Savior. Or we know we're sinners, we know we're awful we got all kinds of secrets, and we think there's no way God loves me still. No way. Listen, I want to tell you something. Some of you have kept God at an arm's distance, and you have blamed your church. This one, a different one, I wasn't being fed. It wasn't, you know, you've blamed the Bible. Man, it's so big. It's so intimidating. You've blamed your upbringing. Well, my parents, you know, they did. You blame your spouse. Well, they don't really want to go to church. I just want to be real with you. Can I I give you a push start? The biggest obstacle to you knowing God in a deeper way is in your mirror. It's you. It's you. And it's me. All of us get in the way. All of us are sinners. All of us fall short. All of us are separated from God. All of us face this giant, gaping hole that we cannot cross, and there's a bridge that we can't build and we can't buy a ticket for. But the good news is someone built the bridge anyway, and you can't buy your way across it. You can cross it by faith and by surrender. That bridge is called grace, the undeserved favor and forgiveness of God that was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says the wages, all of sin, all fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin, the payment of sin, where that's leading you is death. That's what you owe God. But the gift of God, it's a gift, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, so today we're talking about salvation. We're celebrating that in baptism, and salvation is about saving. It's not about religion. It's, it, if you think, like oh, salvation, that sounds like a church. Listen, to, to, to experience salvation, you have to recognize you need saving. You're drowning. You need help. And that's where every one of us, every one of us that's in Christ, that's where we were. We needed saved save from sin, save from hell, save from ourselves, and save to a new identity, a new family, a new belonging, a new father, a new purpose, a new eternity. So every single one of us have experienced if we're in Christ. This is not a collection of goody two-shoes, okay? I've done some messed up stuff and had some messed up thoughts. And if any of you have two kids under four years old, you've had some messed up thoughts as well, right? It's a struggle. You try telling a three-year-old you forgot her backpack on the way to school. It's not good, right? It's not good, And so those of us that are here, we're not here because we're good people. We're here because we have a good God. And he's changed us from the inside out. And we've been saved from what we deserved and what we earned. And we're given what Jesus deserved and what Jesus earned because Jesus took what we deserved upon himself. Jesus took what we deserved on him while we were sinners. Christ died for us. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. But here's the thing. Salvation is a free gift, but you got to receive it. And we can get into the semantics of that, and there are people that will argue, like, there are people who spend their whole life just arguing about how salvation works. Well, it's free will. You can choose God, you can reject God. No, it's not, brother. God's sovereign. He initiates, He chooses, you can't do anything. Listen, may I suggest that rather than writing a thesis paper on the life preserver that's in front of you while you're drowning, maybe just grab it. Like, maybe just receive it. And, and you know, Jesus says this. John chapter 1, verse 12, the word of the Lord says, But to all who believed in him, that's Jesus, all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. See, we have a problem. We're not children of God apart from Christ, and we need to be. And we can't purchase that right. It's not a birthright. We can't get it from our parents, our grandparents. There's nothing we can do to earn it. But he can give it. He gives the right to become children of God. And yet it sure sounds to me like there's a role for us to play. For all who believed in him. For all who accepted him. And we can argue about whether or not you had a choice to believe and accept or you didn't. But if you're thinking about it, do it. Believe it. Accept it. And do what Paul said in Romans chapter 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will eventually go through enough steps that you might be a suitable... No, you will be saved. You will be saved. If you believe and confess, you will be saved for what the heart one believes and is justified and what the mouth one confesses and is saved. If you're not a Christian... God is dealing with you this morning. He's throwing you a life raft, just like he threw to me. And if you're a Christian that's struggling and wandering and stagnant, God's pursuing you again and saying, let's renew these vows. So I would encourage you this morning, surrender to the truth that God knows you, he made you, he loves you, he knows what's best for your life. Listen, all your whole life, you've been worse than you think. Your whole life, you've been a worse sinner than you think. You always find someone else that's worse and think, I'm not as bad as them. I got news for you. All your life, you've been worse than you think. Than you think. But all your life, you've been more loved than you have ever even begun to get a sense of. Like, you, you don't even have a clue how loved you are by God. And it's not based on your performance and your prerogative and your initiative. It's based on his. And today we see people baptized and it celebrates that truth that God loves us and God saves us. And every story and every journey looks different. We had somebody baptized this morning and said, you know what? I got baptized when I was five years old. I didn't know what I was doing. I I had that ritual, but later I came to faith. I came to belief. And it's been decades I've been following Jesus, but I just feel like now's the time to be obedient and go public and be baptized. That's awesome. We have a young man being baptized today. He said, you know what, I've known of God and believed in God my whole life, but I've recently found Christ and started following him. That's awesome. Every story is different. My story, I can't tell you that at my spiritual birthday. I don't know that it's like, yep, June 17th, you know, that's what I don't know. It was a journey for me. I know when I got baptized... But it doesn't, it doesn't matter when that moment is. What matters is that I'm following him. And it's made all the difference in my life. Similarly, I can't tell you, yep, we were standing, you know, on the corner of 3rd and whatever when I fell in love with, I don't know when we fell in love, but I know when she walked down this aisle, literally this one, it was in here, I, I, I know when that was. Pretty sure it was May 23rd, 2009. I think I got that right, <laughs> all right? That was risky, right? But we stood on this stage and we exchanged vows. That wasn't in my notes either, you can check. I didn't put it in there, I didn't cheat. We exchanged vows, we exchanged rings, and we still wear them, technically. I had to get an upgrade. Um, I love Brooke so much, and I love her cooking so much, that a bigger ring seemed to be a better symbol <laughs> of our love. But, but we still wear rings we still wear rings. And I get to do a lot of weddings and talk about rings. Last service I accidentally said wings. <laughs> and now we're all thinking about food. That's great. Um, but, you know, that ring that we wear, it's just a piece of metal. I've even got a couple that are silicone, you know, or whatever, for when I don't go to the gym. And and we, they're just it's just a thing. But it's still powerful because it's a symbol of something that's way more powerful. And today we've got normal H2O in that tank. Wait, is that right? Is that water? Yeah, okay. For a split second, I couldn't remember the difference in oxygen and water. I don't know. So we've got water in there. It's normal. It's not holy water. It's not shipped in. It's not special. It's water. But it's a powerful symbol because baptism is the wedding band of the Christian faith. Imagine showing up on your wedding day and the guests are arriving. Everything looks perfect. And you walk up to your fiance and you say, hey, this looks great, um, but I would rather if we could, can we go out here to the back alley and get this over with? And the ring looks nice, but I, I really, I don't want to wear that. I don't want people to ask me about that, I don't want, you know, and if it's okay by you, I would rather just leave my Facebook status set to single, just in case, you know, how many would be just going straight to your own reception, right, and just, like, skipping the ceremony? And, and here's the thing. You go, you go public with the things you care about. Nobody had to ask you to post about your favorite TV show, your favorite movie, your favorite restaurant, or even your bad experience. Some of y'all. Some of y'all maybe need to hear that. Nobody asked, okay? But... <laughs> You, you share the stuff you care about. You share the stuff you care about. And yet, listen, if you didn't know any better, it's fine. But, but hear me this morning. Jesus, who never sinned, was baptized. Sinless, still said, I'm going public with my commitment to my Father and my mission. Man, I might get baptized today. I want to be like Jesus. Right? And then Jesus said in, in Mark chapter 16, and this verse gets misconstrued as the band comes. He said in Mark 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned now some take that verse and say see if you ain't baptized you're condemned if you ain't baptized can't go to heaven well what's the operative word in the sentence belief whoever believes will be saved whoever does not believe it doesn't say baptism again whoever does not believe will be condemned but here's the assumption if you believe, you will not be condemned. If you believed, you, you will be saved. If you believed, you will be baptized. That, that's the assumption. It's not a means of grace, it's a display of grace. Jesus tells his disciples believe, be baptized, go make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hear me this morning, if you're a believer in Christ, you're serious about your faith, you're getting deeper in your relationship with him, it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert, if you're shy, if you're bold, if you're quiet, if you're loud, if you're an Enneagram type six, if if you're young, if you're old, baptism is an act of obedience to Christ. It's a powerful symbol for every believer Pastor Chris Hodges says in one of his books that in ancient baptism, people would put on a bright white robe, and you still see that in some church traditions, right, to be baptized in, but then they would put on an outer garment, they'd put on another robe, which sounds so heavy, but they'd put on another robe, and the outer robe would be filthy and dirty and tattered and beat up. And so they'd walk into the baptism waters in dirty clothes, and through some kind of I don't know, they're really good at this. While they're under the water, they would pull off the outer stained garment and they'd come up out of the water in bright white clothes. And they'd let the old clothes just float down the river and hope for the best, they wouldn't get a ticket for pollution, you know? But they were excited to show the old me is gone, the new me is alive and declare Jesus to the world. That's because this, guys, Obedience is a fruit of salvation, okay? You're not saved by getting baptized. You don't have to be baptized to be saved, but if you're saved, you should be baptized. Read the scriptures, read Acts. I challenge you to a duel. Find me an example in the scriptures. Find me a pattern that looks any different than belief, repentance, salvation, baptism in water, publicly. That's the standard over and over and over and over and over. Even without a baptism class, we have baptism class, okay? If you say, you know what, I know that. I know that that's the standard. I know that's the command, but I don't want to. It's fair to examine yourself. If I will stubbornly refuse Jesus the first and simplest act of obedience for whatever reason, is my heart really his? If, if, I, if I want to get married in a back alley and not wear my wedding ring, do I really want to be married? If you're a Christian, it doesn't matter if you've been saved for 40 years, 40 seconds, you should be baptized soon. And you might say, well, it's embarrassing. I've been in church a long time. I'm serving. I'm on the worship team. What will people think? People will think you're humbling yourself before God. That's not a bad thing. That's an awesome thing. And so here's what I'm asking today as you stand with me across this room. I don't know exactly where you're at. God does. You do. Here's what I'm asking you to do as we slowly wade out into these deeper waters. I'm not asking you to do 45 different things. I'm asking as you acknowledge that God loves you, take one step. Take one step. For some of y'all, that's the big step today. It's the step of putting your faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. That's a huge step, but it's one step. For some of you, it's recommitting to him, rededicating your life to him. And for some of you, it's taking the step of being obedient to Christ and being baptized in water soon. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For questions, prayer requests, and more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com.